listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Natalie Freeman. Today, we are so thrilled to welcome Carlos Lopez Estrada, the creative director of the anthology Summertime Odes to LA. And after that, he'll be in conversation with some contributors to the collection. Before we introduce everyone, I wanted to remind you that Skylight Books is open for in-store browsing, and you can always shop online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. I'm very excited to introduce you to all of these lovely contributors. We're going to introduce everybody up front, and then they're all going to read a little something for you from their contributions, and they're going to tell us a little bit about their experiences with art in LA and craft and all of those fun things. So here we go. Carlos Lopez Estrada's debut film, Blind Spotting, premiered opening night at Sundance 2018 and was subsequently released by Lionsgate Entertainment. Carlos was nominated by the DGA for Outstanding Directorial Achievement of a First-Time Feature Film. His second film, Summertime, premiered opening night of Sundance 2020 and will be released in June and was released in June of 2021. Carlos's third film, Raya and the Last Dragon, was released by Disney in March of 2021. On the TV side, Carlos directed an episode of FX's Legion and is working on an original show at UCP. He began his career directing music videos for musicians like Billie Eilish, Father John Misty, Thundercat, and Flying Lotus, Carly Rae Jepsen, Clipping, and Passion Pit. In 2012, he won a Latin Grammy for an animated music video he directed for artists Jesse and Joy. He is currently directing an original animated feature at Disney Animation set to release in 2023, as well as the live-action adaptation of Disney's Robin Hood. Gordon Ibb is an artist seeking truth in all mediums. He acts writes, directs, performs, all to seek moments that connect us all through the undeniable. One particular truth he is currently growing in and from is the truth of the Asian American experience, how it moves, how it lives in the consistently voiceless. He is most interested in giving his experience of this truth a voice that it so desperately needs and a chance to use that voice that it so seldom gets. Universally living a diasporic, undocumented immigrant experience has given him a lens that he can only be humbled by, and make a student of on a daily basis. He is constantly tackling ideas of self-expression, self-identity, spirituality, perspective, community, and culture. Paulina Acuna Gonzalez is a Los Angeles-based Latina writer and performer, best known for her role in the movie Summertime. She previously wrote and performed poetry across California as a get-lit player for Get Lit Words Ignite. She spends her days studying dramatic writing at NYU, Tish, hosting baking classes on Zoom, and mothering a guinea pig named Belinda. You can follow her DIY misadventures on her YouTube channel, Paula AG. 
Marcus James is an award-winning spoken word artist, teacher, and community advocate. He has performed at over 100 venues across California, including Dodger Stadium, Warp Tour, Verses and Flow, and Button Poetry. He has taught workshops at various schools and organizations across the United States, including UC Santa Barbara, Gulf Coast University, and Into Action. He was the coach of the LA Youth Poetry Slam team for Brave New Voices. His work has been recognized by the United Nations, Planned Parenthood, and the California Endowment for the Arts. Marcus holds a bachelor's degree in film and media from the University of California, Santa Barbara. Hannah Harris is an award-winning spoken word artist, educator, and community advocate. They have performed at Warp Tour, Women's March, Envision, Dodger Stadium, and at over 300 other events in the LA area. They have opened for celebrities and politicians like Hillary Clinton, Gloria Steinem, Roxanne Gay, Jackie Aina, and more. They co-organized Trans March LA and Found Family Holidays, and their activism has been featured in Out Magazine. Their written work, teaching, and activism have received recognition by the United Nations, Planned Parenthood, and United Way. Their written work has been featured in Paper, Paper Bark Magazine, Screen Door Review, and more. They were also dialogue supervisor on the spoken word feature film, Summertime. Zach Perlmuter is a Los Angeles-based poet, actor, teacher, and hip-hop artist. Born and raised in Los Angeles, Zach has been working with Get Lit for close to five years, performing at hundreds of shows, hosting, and teaching workshops alongside some of LA's best spoken word poets. He has appeared on the T.D. Jake show, several viral commercials for the That's Not Love campaign by One Love, which have accumulated over 2 million views. He has appeared in the 2017 production of Dante's Inferno, a modern adaptation, co-directed and produced by Cynthia Edinger and Academy Award winner Tim Robbins. He visited New Mexico for the Martin Luther King Jr. Youth Summit, where he taught workshops and performed some of his poetry pieces. He performed and taught workshops at Wordstock, the Portland Book Festival, and several schools in the Oregon area. His story appears in a chapter of the award-winning Get Lit Rising book, Zach knows the power that words possess and the change that a positive mindset can bring. He wishes only to help whoever he can with what he has learned over the years. Benet Benton has performed at Dodger Stadium, the Pantages Theater, the Women of UTA, March for Our Lives LA, and public schools all over Los Angeles. They are currently attending UC Santa Cruz where they study theater. In 2019, they were featured in Pamela Adlon's Better Things on FX. After growing up homeless and channeling their pain into poetic power, Markeisha Babers became the mentor for Get Lit and an ambassador for the film Girl Rising, which stresses the importance of education for girls in developing countries. They have performed at the Muse Conference in Oregon, at the Women in the World Summit at Lincoln Center, alongside Angelina Jolie and Hillary Clinton, at Cadogan Hall in London for the Atlantic Magazine, and at colleagues and colleges and universities throughout the nation. They have also appeared on the series Verses and Flow and are a blogger for one.org. Look out for their poetry, anthology, and memoir coming soon to a bookstore near you. Wow. I have never introduced a more exciting and accomplished group of people. <laughs> and Gordon already said that the chat that unfortunately our listeners can't see is just full of like love for everybody in this room, which is why I love these group reads. So I am so excited for you all to just get a chance to take it away and chat with each other. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, this is Carlos. Uh, 
you hopefully will recognize my voice because there's about, about to be an, a group of incredible people that are going to join me and we're rowdy. So it's probably, uh, we'll just become, we'll become uh, a unit, but that's okay. That's the point of this experiment. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Nat, this, the way that this book came together is quite unusual because it's, um, it's sort of like an expansion of the universe that we created with the film Summertime. The book is titled Summertime Odes to LA. And it was written and edited by the poets of the movie. So um, maybe if you all want to just unmute yourself and say hello. Hello. What's popping? Hello. Hey. Um, so, Thanks for having me. We're all doing it at the same time. There, so. there they are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we made this this um, movie together, and we quickly realized that there was so much more, um, so so much more writing inside of all of these incredible heads, and um, and summertime was so late. I mean, really. They're all spoken word poets, but they're poets first and foremost. So it's just really a, a, an, an excuse for us to keep working together and bring a little bit more of uh, their voices out into the world. Uh, so maybe before we like get too in depth with what the book is and we share some of the writing, I thought it'd be good. I, I wrote the foreword for it and I feel like it encapsulates hopefully clearly um, how we all came together and what what was sort of like the seed that started the project of summertime. So I'm going to go ahead and read that and then I'll pass it over to you all so that you can each share the pieces that you wanted to share. So, okay, the foreword goes like this. Uh, two years ago, I had the privilege of sitting through a spoken word poetry workshop featuring 25 performers from a Los Angeles nonprofit organization called Get Lit Words Ignite. I left the event feeling invigorated, having experienced a young community of artists expressed so eloquently many of the notions that had been spinning unanswered in my mind. What does it mean to exist in this city today? The answers the poets presented were vibrant, loud, and sincere. With words, they painted a window into a city I had never seen before. A few weeks later, I met with Diane Luby Lane, the director of the organization, and presented an idea to collaborate with all 25 of the poets on a narrative film, one that would attempt to capture the energy I experienced that day in that room. The concept was to allow the artist to develop the poetry into an interconnected narrative that explored their relationship to their city, their communities, and themselves. Each poet would write and perform their own scene and together we would connect the pieces of this elaborate mosaic of Los Angeles. Our window to complete the project was impossibly slim since many of the poets had just graduated high school and would soon be leaving LA behind. We needed to develop, write and shoot the entire movie over the poet's summer break. This sounded like an absurd undertaking. Yet the Los Angeles Yet the Los Angeles Media Fund very graciously agreed to fund the movie, even though we didn't have a script, a reasonable timeline, or a cast of professional actors. What were they thinking? I would be lying if I said this movie wasn't the scariest artistic experiment I have ever worked on. 
but I would also be lying if I said it was not the most rewarding creative experience of my life. Everything about the process behind summertime was unexpected and reaffirming. A sunset overlooking downtown from the roof of a Cadillac limousine, an entire improvised day shooting on an iPhone, the radical sincerity that these artists brought to set every single day. It is a kind of sincerity that I believe has the power to inspire lasting change. This anthology is an attempt to capture the same energy experienced in that room on print. The process of putting these pages together was not unlike the one we followed in developing the film. The same amount of chaos, heart, and thought went into the crafting of every pixel you're about to see or hear today in this podcast. Uh, this is the LA that I discovered through their eyes, one that is wild, brave, messy, and full of hope. I don't think I will ever be able to forget the feeling I had when I was first introduced to these poets and their work. It is a feeling that will stay with me for as long as I live. And I hope that our movie and this book are able to generate some version of that feeling in the people that choose to go on this journey with us. It is a feeling that is too miraculous not to share. And that is the end of the foreword. Um, so yeah, can I, I mean, Hannah, Marcus, Paulina, Gordon, Zach, Benet, Marquisha, uh, would you all just want to talk about the, like when you first heard that we were doing this, uh, Hannah and Marcus, in addition to being contributors, also were two out of the three editors of the anthology. So maybe you don't mind giving us a little bit of um, context of, of how this came to be. So the book came to be from just like a natural extension of the summertime universe, uh, the summertime cinematic universe, if you will. Uh, <laughs> we have like a lot of writing. Most of the cast of Summertime has been writing for many, many years. Um, and we have a lot of like really strong um, identity pieces that are tied to where we're from in the city that can't possibly all fit um, into a single movie. So um, Summertime Odes to LA acts as an extension of that um, to learn more of us. And also um, surprisingly, um, to me at least, people like really wanted it. People were watching Summertime and they were like, where can I know you better? Where can I um, learn more about your craft and who you are? Um, so very organically, this project was just kind of birthed into the world. Um, and then Marcus and Mila Kuda and I, we were the editors for this project, but um, really what we did was just like create a shell for the contributors to put their genius into. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our job as the editors, uh, <laughs> at least for, on my end, a lot of my job was just like sitting down with folks uh, and talking to them about their poems and talking through their poems. Um, for the most part, people were pretty already set though. Um, like Hannah said, uh, these folks have been writing for years and years and years, so it was kind of not surprising that they were like, overall, the edits are here, but like, I just needed one or two more thoughts, uh, so that was really fun, and I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't know, I think my favorite part about it was it really was just a project where I was working with, like, 25 of my friends, um, and how many times do you get to do that in your life, <laughs> so that's my end of it. Uh, the movie really felt like that, too, and I think that this is what what's been so special about this entire collaboration, the fact that um, we, I mean, you all are, are getting to collaborate with your community 
of artists that you've been surrounded yourself with for so many years. So it's 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 not like we cast, you know, set a casting for these actors, set a casting for these writers. These are just, just people that you've been already like experiencing some pretty uh, incredible creative experiences for years and years and years. And I think that's what I was most drawn to and what was like most inspiring about all of you as as a collective. Um, cool. So maybe I know that we're, we're uh, going to introduce all of the collaborators here today. Not all 25 of them, but uh, six, seven of them. So maybe we can introduce our first reader, um, Gordon Ip. And Gordon, if you want, um, would you want to just tell us like a little bit about your piece and then, well, I guess you can tell us anything you want and then uh, share the actual thing. Thank you, Big Dog. I appreciate you. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, listeners. How are you? Um, it's beautiful to meet your ears. My name is Gordon Ip. Um, I'm a, I guess, LA-based poet. I, I'm, an, I'm an actor, a writer. Um, thank you, Carlos, by the way. And um, uh, what was I going to say? I already had a thought and it already left my brain. Well, anyways, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe a couple of the pieces. Um, for any of you uh, reading, along, reading along at home, um, I have my page marked to page 55. So if y'all have the book, um, and if you're listening to this and then you're going to get the book later, you'll know, um, 55 is a, page 55 is a set of, um, paintings I did called Meditation that I'm super proud of. I'm not usually a visual artist. My, my brother, um, I have an older brother who handles most of the visual art in the family. So I'm not much of a painter, but um, I did three separate pieces representing, I guess, my interpretation of like the expansion of soul that happens when you meditate. Um, I'll describe them visually for anyone, for all of y'all listening. Um, so three, it's a three set piece um, using watercolor, charcoal, acrylic. I think those are the only three things I use actually. Um, and then on, um, I didn't even put it on canvas. I should have put it on canvas maybe, but it just, I just put it on some nice paper, um, some nice Bristol paper, which is cool. Um, the first one is like a darker, it's like, um, it's a white circle encapsulated by what I describe as static. So in my head, like, you know, when you go through your day to day and you're kind of just going through the motions, this is kind of what I feel like cruising without meeting your inner self and talking to your inner self feels like, you know, it just feels like you're existing, which is like, you know, what that white circle to me represents. And then um, there's just static all around you, you know, stuff is happening, but you're not tuning in necessarily. Um, the second piece, um, visually is what I feel when you finally sit down and take a breath. Um, when you begin to meditate, you know, take a couple deep breaths, focus on your breath, um, and all the th thoughts are just flowing past you rather than being um, what's surrounding you, I guess, um, which is represented by that beautiful, like I use specifically the primary colors, blue, red, and yellow because um, for the inner circle on the second piece, because 
I guess that represented to me the like the soul <laughs> I guess saying it out loud sounds corny so now that I say it but anyways um uh because I don't know it just feels like the static outside of ourselves I mean obviously again if you're if you're looking at this um on the page um it's really like a zoom in um you know in the first piece it's a white circle surrounded by a black background and then and then the zoom in is like you find this piece of color within yourself that you weren't that you didn't see before because you maybe you weren't paying attention or you know whatever it may be um the static is still surrounding you but at least you're able to for a moment not let it be everything that um you're focused on and then the third piece is what happens when you reach a state of like when you when you finally begin to meditate um truly and you're sitting down and you know you get into it um it's just things passing by you and flowing in and out of you and just all human experience you know that you know maybe it's maybe it's stuff that happened to you today maybe it's stuff that happened to you three years ago you know stuff that just memories that will just pop up or emotions that you didn't even know you were feeling until you meditated and gave yourself the space to feel them um yeah that's what the third piece is about for me and so that explains all the different colors different textures that i use and the the use of acrylic there was very um intentional to create a lot of different texture you know and like in the way that uh your anger might be coarse or rough one day but then might be sharp as a blade the next you know and then a way that sadness can feel like a wave or a bed you know uh so i, I tried to create all those different textures using the different colors in the third piece um i'm super proud of it as you can tell i can talk all day about this stuff but um yeah that's my uh, first contribution i think maybe gordon it'd be good because i did a terrible job setting this up but i i think <laughs> that it'd be good to to mention for me to mention that the book in addition to being a, a collection of poetry well poetry and different kinds of writing writings from all these uh talented talented artists is also a visual collection of art so there is a lot of photography there is a lot of digital art there's a lot of physical art uh like gordon's we we collaborated with with almost uh i think of like 40 40 something uh visual artists all from different mediums that illustrated different pieces that reimagined sort of like poems visually um and and it's really I, I think to call it a poetry collection, even though it's accurate, is is maybe doesn't give you the full breadth of of what the book is because every single page was really like designed with so much uh, thought and intention and and love, and it really is is like a visual journey as much as it is uh, a written one. So uh, I'm glad that you took the time to describe your piece Gordon anyway sorry just just thought thought that, that context would be helpful for the the listener who's who's just saying like wait I there's a collection of poetry like what what do you <laughs> mean so there's right. paintings um so anyway sorry sorry back to you no thank you we did come out of the gates like all right this is about poetry we got a bunch of poets here uh all right Gordon go ahead yeah so these paintings uh you know they really represent my soul you know like it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Thank you, Carlos. And speaking of the visuals, shout outs to Tiffany Chu, who lay out and designed this. 
she really is a whole is a huge reason why this whole book came together in the way that it did. Um, it's just gorgeous. So Tiffany, if you're if you're watching the whole Zoom, we're we're all celebrating you right now. We're bringing you into the room. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, Tiffany Chu really really killed it on this. Um, but yes, absolutely. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a visual journey as well as a poetic one, and that is a beautiful transition into the poem I'm gonna read for y'all. Um, look at that. He's a professional. How does he do it? Um, the poem I'm going to read to you is on page 161. It's called Ode to the 626. Um, the 626 is the area code of the town that I, I grew up in, which is Alhambra, California. Represent 626 all day. 626 in the mix, all right? Uh, you better fix yourself. If you, I'm just kidding. I, those, I just made those up right now. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm silly. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's called Ode to the 626. And it's really just that. It's an ode to the town I grew up in um, and recognizing the blessings that uh, I grew up with that I never realized were blessings. You know, I just thought they were just the town I was growing up in. And that was it, you know, and I definitely not only took them for granted, but in a time through um in one of my stages of living through my asian american identity uh in the diaspora um uh one of them was rejection you know rejection of my my culture and wanting to to get as far away from it as possible and then being able to come back to it and find that wow like how blessed i am to have grown up and lived here and still and still and still be connected to this place in such a physical visceral way um yeah, that's what this poem's about. So let's start. This is Ode to the 626. In my hometown, there is taste of revolution in every noodle slurp. <laughs> Chopsticks in place of pitchforks. Our existence, a quiet rebellion. Torch flames sear carne asada. White gaze beheaded under the weight of a cleaver. Ducks hung behind a glass pane. We got storefronts wrapped in our native tongues, a slice of the motherland thin as silkworm's thread. The 626, blessing, discovered. A handwritten note tucked between bills, stuffed in a red pocket. We are a fertile people. Throw us in the dirt and we will grow without sun, without water, without permission. Ask me, are you going to the Lunar New Year Festival? And I'll respond, the one on Garfield or the one on Garvey? Yes, we have dub we double up. We double up on the Lunar New Year festivals in the 626. Come the F through. I mean, uh, we're not speaking to students. Come the fuck through to the 626. Lion dances, boisterous roars, newly unmuzzled. The living, breathing stereotype of old Asian people doing Tai Chi in the park, Tai Chi in the streets, Tai Chi in their front yards, flapping their arms behind their backs. A flock of parents. A flock of parrots roams our airwaves. Refugees from the pet shop that burned down a while back. Rainbow dandelions searching for a place to perch. Fortunate and grateful to have landed furthest from the diaspora while still in it, Alhambra. An alternate universe Chinatown where we were the city planners. What it would have been if whiteness were not so vicious. 
where we shed the rice hat, the buck teeth, the sickly yellow skin, and dawn a golden hue. And even after all this, reflection, newfound appreciation for accessibility to ancestors, there's still so much I don't know about my own city. So many secrets still dusty, waiting for keys in the shape of fingerprints to open them. That's my poem. It's beautiful part. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Everyone's clapping on their icons on their Zoom, but no one can see this, so I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll narrate all the, all the praise you're getting. Thank you, thank you. Um, well, thanks, Gordon. I think next uh, we have the incredible Paulina Acuna Gonzalez. So if you're ready, Paulina, love to hear a little bit about yourself and your contribution. Hello, I'm Paulina. I am, I am happy to be um, talking to you guys from my dorm in New York. I'm a stressed out college student. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was, I feel incredibly lucky that I was part of both the um, process of making Summertime and also the process of making Summertime Odes to LA. It's really a multitudinous um, variety of art that's really good in this book. Uh, just to, like give you like an, an idea of like how, like of how much variety this book offers. Um, I have a painting in there and a recipe. <laughs> So there's lots of cool things to look forward to in Summertime Modes to LA. Um, but I will be performing for you guys a poem that is actually in the movie. Well, it's a whole different version of the movie that's a different version of it in the movie that's very exciting. But this was the this was my like this first initial like version of the poem I wrote. I was a squeaky a squeaky clean little senior in high school performing this at the Poetry Slam. And I was on the verge between adulthood and a semi-childhood, hyper aware of the way I was going into that, going into that world and being perceived by like general society. And so this poem is called Red Lipstick. <clears throat> Sophomore year, my mom finally let me wear makeup but first waved a primrose fingernail in front of my face and warned, never wear red lipstick. Why? It mimics the blush of a woman having an orgasm. Boys will get the wrong idea. <laughs> but mom, high school boys don't know what a girl having a real orgasm looks like. My mother, modern Lady Macbeth, furiously dabbing away at the same red spot. It hadn't always been there. My abuelita was never fully dressed without a crest of crimson courage painted on her lips. A stripe of feminine fury, reminder of monthly bloody battle victories, the marks she'd leave emboldened on her foes, either from peace or powerful rage. I promised my mom, when I'm 18, I'll walk out of here clad in a red dress with matching shoes, fruit punch stained lips, dye my hair in Pop's cherry jam, don rose-tinted glasses, rename myself Miss Scarlet, paint the town that primary color. What are you gonna do about it? 
Mom replied, what are men going to think your intentions are? My intentions are to walk down the street in a dress I like, feeling like the summer queen of strawberries. Who the hell cares what they think? Little did I know my mom's lessons weren't superstitions, but cautionary tales of men turning womanly wielded weapons into weaknesses, drawing wine-tinted targets on our backs, fathers claiming ownership of what never belonged to them, who slashed my abuelita's throat with a half-used lipstick tube and hung her with a pearl necklace anniversary gift, flicking tobacco embers in her face. Future ex-husbands threatening with fingers around mom's throat in the middle of the grocery store, in the middle of their daughter, knocking her into the produce, bruising the apples, yelling whore. To this day, my mom still covers her ears. I get it. She's scared that soon I'll have the title of woman tied around my neck with the world ready to pull the other end. So with this, I assure her, when someday soon I'll have to leave her and walk down the streets of a city I don't recognize, I promise to draw my mouth a ruby heart and carry a matching taser. Beautiful, Feel free to unmute yourselves when you're clapping. Everyone's clapping, but there you go. You can't hear anything. Yes. Uh, thanks for sharing, Paulina. That was beautiful. Uh, and Gordon's just walking around his Zoom screen, uh, half naked. I'll paint a picture for everyone. And also, the the listeners would not have known unless you said it, and now you said it. So I know, but I I feel like it it, it uh this feels like more of an intimate listening experience if. I narrate what's going on in the Zoom squares. It's um, visual art, Carlos. It's visual art. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Paulina. That's beautiful. Um, Thank you. And and that also is, um, I think, in my opinion, uh, one one of the most striking scenes in the movie because we ended up visualizing it because of your idea, Paulina. We visualize it in into uh, a dance that was choreographed by this incredible uh, choreographer and performed by a group of like 35 or 30, 30 35 plus dancers uh, in the middle of a street of K-Town in front of this Mexican restaurant called Sabores Oaxaqueños. So, you know, cross promotion, read the book, Watch the movie. Follow Paulina on Instagram. Don't follow her. Uh, or she'll tase you. Yeah. I still have my taser with me. Was oh my god. Yeah. She, uh, Will you make it make she, the sound for the? Oh god, no! Ooh. Someone's gonna get hurt on this. One, two, three. <laughs> Hold it, it away works. from your face. That's... It's it very works. close to my face, but uh, I know it works. That was a souvenir from uh, the the film shoot. Glad to know it works, and glad to know it's keeping you safe in New York. Hell yeah! Uh, I definitely need it in New York. All right. Well, maybe I to make this more interactive, uh, Paulina. Would you want to introduce our next reader, who 
Do you have the order? You may or may not have it. Yes, oh, that I got person. the order. World it's pointing in, at that person. It's in the chat. I also too. There you go. What do you would you care to introduce this wonderful person? All right. This person is oh my gosh, to describe this person. This person is <laughs> incredible, inspiring, just one of my many poet mentors, just an inspiration, just the greatest, the MVP presenting Marcus James, everybody. Yay, MVP. I played sports as a kid, so that means a lot. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. My name is Marcus James, and I uh, was one of the editors of the book, and I played the Lyft driver who's really into gummies. Um, so if you watch the movie, uh, watch that part, live it, laugh it, love it, all of it. <laughs> um, so I have two poems in the book. Uh, one of them is called In Defense of the Word Dick. Um, and originally I was going to do that poem, but um, that poem is about grief and sad things. Um, so I'm not going to do that poem. Plus, I don't know. I feel like part of it is, uh, I think I've, not to say I've like fully grieved, because like I don't think you can ever really do that. But I think I'm just like in a new stage where I'm ready to uh, not be as sad, if that makes sense. So I'm going to read this other sad poem. <laughs> <laughs> about being about being transgender um but yeah so in like any space i go in yeah in any space i go in one of the first things i'll usually say is like what's up i'm marcus i'm a man with a pussy um and just kind of go from there uh it's really super helpful and like getting to know which people i'm gonna enjoy and which people i should maybe steer clear of uh so I have this poem, uh, no disrespect to CVS, but also this did happen in a CVS. So. So like kind of disrespect to CVS. Yeah, like... so get your shit together. Um, anyway, uh, this poem is called, I'm walking into CVS with a prescription and a dead name. Can I say to Marcus that if anyone does see the poem, uh, does read the poem, you will see photos of the actual CVS where this happened. And inclu including like the the name of the strip mall. The way that we blasted the CBS is so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I went in with my little iPhone Seven, just taking photos. I'm sure they were like, "What is this man doing?" And I was like, "None of your business." I'm writing a poem. Uh, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to kill your flow. No, 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 you're chilling. Uh, okay, so yeah, this is called "I Am Walking Into CVS with a Prescription and a Dead Name." Some days, I wish to be done with the needles. The weekly pricking, the monthly bill, the pharmacist and her shameful glances, like my life has impeded on hers. The act of reaching for my vials has just totally ruined her evening. She tells me to wait and wait and wait. She asks me for my name, the legal one, I softly whisper the syllables into the glass. She barks it back with rehearsed confusion. Customers start to gather like villagers in a town square. The villagers yearn for a show, want to revel in their thought that I am the circus act, woman with a beard. The pharmacist, she keeps asking me to repeat my name, the legal one. This is a public shaming, a flogging of my privacy, 
more villagers have gathered. They stone me with their glances, exile me with small incantations. My detriment is now a community affair. And I wish this story had an ending with a large choir or an orchestra of people stepping in or a solo of my own hurt. But instead, I go home, fill the needle, prick the skin. Sometimes this is the only protest I can raise to keep my body healthy when a village salivates at the thought of its unraveling. That's my poem. Um, yes. Woo! Yes. Oh my God, that last line. Yay. Thank you, friends. Um, I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah. I like being trans. It doesn't sound like it sometimes in my poems, but like, I think it's one of my favorite things. So if you're trans and you're listening, um, you're automatically my favorite person. Uh, and we should go get lunch um, forever. That's me. How can how can people find you, Marcus? They have to run as fast as they can in the direction <laughs> oh that they think I'm in. Uh, that's great. Uh, or uh, oh, or is, <laughs> and maybe Instagram. I'm just like in my brain. I'm in love with the idea of like just ten trans people running as fast as they can to the South Bay. Just strong form <laughs> sprinting. But for real, they can follow me on Instagram at vile nile um, v i l e n i l e um, because I like things that rhyme. He also, I, I really did like the worst possible job setting this up. But as you were mentioning the South Bay. It made me think about the fact that our book is structured in a very specific way. Uh, all of these, all of the things that I should have said up top, but um, I was underprepared. Do you, would either of you, Hannah, I was going to call you Hannah or Marka, uh, Hannah or Marcus, want to uh, describe just a little bit sort of like how the journey of the book? Uh, I love that little enmeshment tea, Hannes and Marco. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our book, it like very much draws uh, structurally um, inspiration from the movie, like as a continuation of that same kind of ethos of like our neighborhoods being what make us and celebrating all of these nooks and crannies in LA. So our table of contents is actually a map of LA um, and each chapter is a different area so I think that we start in Venice and we kind of just move through the city um, on a metaphorical bus so the book when you buy it looks like a bus um, shout out Tiffany Chu who made it look like a bus um, but then at the end of each chapter there's actually uh, there's actually physical instructions for how to take the bus to these different neighborhoods if you want to just like read about us in our homes and then go to those places while you do it. If you're like super into the immersive 4D experience, um, you can actually ride the bus around LA and it will tell you how to do it while you read our poems. Genius, genius. Um, Marcus, would you want to introduce our next reader who you happen to be sitting right next to? Yes. Uh, sorry, you imagine? I was like, nah, I'm, I'm chilling. Um, so, coming up next to the stage. There's no stage. No coming stage. up next to the screen, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Uh, they have, what are they? they love the color pink. 
they love Joshua Tree. Uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff because you already know, like the Dodger Stadium. Boy Marcus Steinem. and I have been in a relationship for five years, and he's struggling right now to to <laughs> read facts about me. <laughs> really, what it is is I'm trying not to be like, and that's my baby, because uh, that's not that's not the move right now. Um, okay, so okay, color pink, Joshua Tree, and also they have a really fit cat named Leo and a really fat cat named Carl. Hey everyone. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe also mention their name marcus oh <laughs> so coming up next to you, coming up next is hannah harris i actually kind of love maybe just being like leo and carl's mom like not really having a name or identity outside of my um variously sized cats um hi i'm hannah as marcus failed to mention uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm super grateful um, and lucky to um, have been welcomed into this group of creatives um, and been invited to collaborate with them because I'm actually not from LA. I am a transplant, um, which, you know, we're an important part of the mosaic of LA. Um, I feel like we get a bad rap, uh, particularly because a lot of women, queer folks, people of color are transplants because like we were fleeing violence uh where we're from um as i was uh so that being said i'm gonna read a poem that has a little bit to do with where i'm from um and in the movie i talk a lot about one britney spears um that's kind of my character is like girl with a lot of opinions about britney spears um so is it really a character uh, <laughs> but growing up in the the rural south um, as a woman who's bipolar in the Catholic Church, um, I always saw Britney Spears as like the only other person living under those particular circumstances. Um, so I was one of those weirdos who was like super into the free Britney movement in like 2018. Like I was so deep in her Instagram, like I know something's going on and guess what I was right. Um, but watch the movie if you want to hear more of my opinions. <laughs> but, you know, she was really representative for me growing up and even now today as she's going through the um, conservatorship stuff uh, for a lot of bipolar women, it was news that it was news to everyone else that this was happening. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Judith Butler quote, they say, as far as I knew, there was only me and a woman named Sappho. Um, for me growing up, as far as I knew, there was only me and a woman named Britney Spears. So this is that poem. It's Ode to Britney. It's very Catholic too. This is the gospel of Brit, a Y2K homily nine albums long. Britney, who wore her love mic like a thorny crown and rose again. Britney, who brass knuckled a banana snake and perfect abs are inflatable girl, pink lips and baby doll. She of scrunchie and Sodom, who washed our feet with her hair and spat it at us from the back of an ambulance. Ashes to iridescent ashes, Brittany. Brittany Jean of Kentwood, Louisiana, who knew want before she knew her own name, who took the worst of us and gave us sweat and glitz, who crawled around on bar floors and when we caught her human, all gas station bathroom breakdown, called her white trash. But to us, she was royalty. 
And when they snapped her like a guitar string, all the girls in my grade wanted to shave their heads to be done with the beauty that would one day undo us too. And when she danced with a snake, we all knew what she meant. All the girls in my hometown and all of our dirty shoes saw our older sister's boyfriends and sang of a sex we couldn't shake. Oh, Brittany, when we clipped feathers into our hair to look like you and the tired smokestack women at Osage Casino, we were christened. Our Messiah of Twang, public sacrifice to pussy. Brittany Jean, who gaped gorgeous and dumb, you crop top parachute, this mess of our own making, Brittany Jean, the first God I could recognize, the only altar I had seen undressed. Brittany, who offered us her beauty in the quiet buzz of borrowed clippers and never asked for it back, who we named Flame while holding the match who we uncaged and crucified wild, who was carted away bald and bloody and laughing. And as the door shut on her, she tossed a wink to us girls back home. Amazing. I found my new religion. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's actually, uh, Paulina, if you want to, I don't even know what it's called when you transition into a new religion, but if, if you want to apply to be a part of it, part of a triptych in this book, actually, that is for Brittany, Dolly Parton, and Kesha. Um, Zach put in the chat Brittanyism. Yeah. So if you want to become a Brittanyist, it also includes Saints, Dolly, and Kesha. Um, but read the book. I have a lot of thoughts on bimboism and female archetypes as a way to navigate capitalism and cis heteropatriarchy and all the stuff I just fucking talked about. Um. That was beautiful, Hannah. Thank you. No problem. Would you be kind enough to take us, transition us, move us, shift us into our next reader? Yes, I'm looking so fervently for that. Okay. Yes, I'm so ready. Um, so her next, sorry, Benet put in the chat the religion is bimboism. Um, and I actually think that that's correct. Um Speaking of bimbos, I'm just kidding. Um, this next person I'm introducing, um, I love very deeply. He's he's an incredible uh, teaching artist. He's an incredible poet. He does a lot of work in his community. He's an incredible visual artist, which is slept on, I feel. Um, and he makes me feel safe and happy where whenever I see him in a room, everyone get excited to hear Zach's poem. Hi, everybody. Thank you to all the beautiful poets that went up and shared your stories and amazing words. You got me inspired. And uh, thank you, Carlos and Nat for having us. Yay. All right. So uh, I am, hmm, I'm just a LA based artist all around. I like rapping, acting, poetry, a little bit of vandalism here and there. But um, I grew up in the Los Angeles graffiti culture with, I don't know if you've driven around Los Angeles, it's everywhere. It's kind of what uh, makes this city so beautiful sometimes. But uh, this poem is kind of a little bit about that and about uh, my feelings towards the beautiful, beautiful landscape of Los Angeles and everybody that makes it. So here it is. It is called Working Late. 
What do you know about my city streets after dark? Where the vandal's rebellious heart stains the wall with wonder. When the people sleep and the artists roam, these color-filled streets are all we know it's home. When I walk through these city streets and see a hipster mural covered in tags, my heart lights up with a marquee. When I see throw-ups in two-tone pieces turn the burnt-down apartment complex into a canvas, I feel hope. Because graffiti is Los Angeles. The alley cat style. The world is ours attitude is all a part of what makes this place home. I grew up walking through the tunnels that sit below these glamorous streets, the concrete rivers full of stories and fallen angels, the place where we hid from the pain of life and found peace. The lost souls that left the world too soon still live on those walls, their names written like scripture, and they will never be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. You can catch Zach on summertime. You can catch me on summertime. I'm in there. I'm painting a wall, doing stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Zach, would you be kind enough to introduce us to our next reader? It would be my absolute pleasure. Coming up next to the stage, the wonderful always magical Benet Benton, a.k.a. one of my favorite human beings. Seeing how they've grown from when I first met them long, long ago into who they are now is just one of the most beautiful things. So everybody, please welcome the blessing that is Benet Benton. Ow! What, a, what an intro. Oh, yeah! Hi, <laughs> uh, hello. I am Benet. Uh, Reporting to you live from Santa Cruz, California. I had a quiz at 12 o'clock, um, came here right after. It's been really great just being able to chill out and hear my friends uh, say their favorite poems instead of having to worry about probability and the theory of thought. What? Anyways, um, I'm going to be doing a poem. Um, this poem is featured in the book alongside the poem that I did in the movie, but <clears throat> this is the poem that the poem in the movie was based off of. Um, this is the poem I came in with, um, in which I kind of started to write the poem about like my home, but it started with my childhood. Um, and in my childhood, um, I would spend a lot of time with my older cousin in my grandma's house in Compton, California. Um, and it was just like really to me like a different, a very different time in which like I felt really protected. It was my grandma's house and then kind of coming from that space um, into the outside world and seeing like the perspective of like um, how people see Compton uh really sorry coming from a sorry <laughs> okay I'm good now coming from um Compton and seeing like the outside perspective of like how Compton is perceived it um in contrast to this kind of like fairy tale that I had there um and at my grandmother's house um I think has a lot to do with my identity today but um in particular this poem and the way like you'll see in the book there is a painting um, of my grandmother's house, like uh, interpreted by this poem. And when I first saw this painting, I sent it to my grandma as well. Um, it 
it looked exactly how her house looks in my dreams now. Um, it's like a reoccurring place. Um, my grandma no longer lives there. She got bought out um, after the blockbuster hit straight out of Compton. A lot of property uh, prices rose there. Um, so she's uh, no longer living there, but the house is still there and it still lives in my dreams. And this poem is about the time that I spent with my cousin there. We planted roasted sunflower seeds in the cracked soil of my grandma's front yard, waited until we forgot. The house, four years abandoned, has not moved. The weeds are overgrown, vine loops intertwine the fence. Our flower never sprouted. We watched WWE and wrestled on our uncle's couch. You let me win every match, made the toughest girl in the world. So I used to pretend I didn't miss you. The razor scooter scars have faded away. The numb ache is still. Here we would argue why the sky is blue. You thought there was a glass of water reflecting the sun somewhere. Half empty now. The playground by grandma's house has been dug up. And that family next door has moved and moved again. Do you remember the backyard honeysuckle bush? Every time I got hurt, you picked the tallest blossom you could reach and gave it to me. We passed by where they're keeping you now. The dirt was jagged. Thus devils danced down the desert. Lost in the pipeline, I dreamt you never left. The bush was full. Our hearts grew taller with every seed. And they knew you only needed help finding the sun. I woke up, forgot the sound of your voice, the color of your braces when they put your smile behind bars. I wish I could have harbored the strength to write you. There's pride in forgetting to leave a spot for you on Thanksgiving but now there isn't enough room on this plate to feed everything we lost. I know we'll find the path where the icicles are still in the freezer. Days are long and we are so young, we still believe that all seeds will grow, even when we bury them too deep to find the sun. Thank you, Bananas. Gorgeous. And I do also love the illustration. There's a lot of history in every illustration, the people who made them, uh, the connection that they have to the piece that they were illustrating. So if and when you get a chance to see the book, you'll see all of these connections and the artwork and the work that they're illustrating. Uh, many photos were taken by people in the movie, the poets themselves. Some of them illustrated their own work. Some of them are like way, way um, accomplished artists that donated some pieces to the book so it's uh it's quite quite a thing um benet would you be kind enough to show us to our the way to our final reader yes i would love to um so next up we have markeisha babers um a powerhouse both in the movie and in life um and i am so glad to call her one of my friends and I mean I feel like when you listen to her 
her power kind of speaks for herself. So, Makikisha, I'll pass it to you if you're ready. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for having me. My name is Markeisha Babers, and I'm going to be reading um, a piece that I wrote um, called That Girl. Um, this piece isn't particularly for, the, uh, wasn't written like directly for this movie, but I just feel like it fits so well. Um, and it's just about like the struggles that you, that me personally and that other people do go through um, on a day-to-day basis, things that we tell ourselves, things that other people tell us, and also things that, you know, the positive things that we sometimes don't think about that are in our head that are coming from the universe or that inner voice or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, So I'm very, very excited to perform this piece. um, And it's called That Girl. People only see me as that girl. That fat girl, just a little too black girl, always sitting in the back girl, that girl. People tell me, you're weak girl. No one wants to hear you speak girl. Look at me, I'm not at your feet girl. Stop crying girl. It's not like you're dying girl. No one will like you for who you are and your career definitely won't go far. Not with that hair, those clothes, those shoes. You really need to change all of you girl. Sometimes I tell myself, you know, depression ain't cute, girl. And you should stop waiting and do what you have to do, girl. I mean, if you're going to end it, then do it already, girl. Just make sure you keep your hands steady, girl. You want to get it right, girl. Just wait till night, girl, to get the knife, girl. It only takes one slice, girl. Look at you. Too weak to take your own life, girl. But God told me, aren't you tired of waiting to die, girl? All you have to do is try, girl. I gave you life to live, girl. I gave you your gift to give, girl. I am always here, girl. It's okay to shed a tear, girl. Just don't fear, girl. Because you are that girl. Make strong enough to carry the world on your back, girl. So stand up straight, girl. You will be great, girl. It is your fate, girl. Don't worry about the past. Remember who is first shall be last. So you've endured the worst, girl. Now it's your turn to be first, girl. Then God held out his hands. He said, take this, girl. Don't waste it, girl. You'll know when to use it, girl. It's a miracle, girl. Like you, you are a miracle, girl. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. I love this song. Yes. Yes, Markeisha. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Kiki, aka Markeisha. Yeah, like instead of like <laughs> in every neighborhood of LA, like we got shooters. Not nah, we got readers, bro. Pull up <laughs> any area code. I will bring you a poet that will change your life. I will say, uh, I I I agree. Gordon and I, I will say that part of the reason for writing for putting together compiling uh all this work and for putting this we self-published this book uh was really sort of to give people an opportunity to immerse themselves in this community the book ends with a writing prompt that one of um our collaborators Raul Herrera wrote and it you know it offers some blank space for people to to write their own poem to their city 
Uh, so maybe I'll just read that one to end on. So he writes, if your heart was a city, what kind of city would it be? Would the city have a name? Would all the streets always be painted in rain? How tall do the buildings bloom? Has this city already met its doom? Is your heart city covered in ice? And then we offered a page and a half for people to contribute their own writings onto the book. Uh, and that's very much in the spirit of the movie. That's very much in the spirit of, of the book, Summertime Odes to LA. So hope you all enjoyed listening from our incredible poets. Hey, Carlos. Yes. Can you look at the chat really fast? Oh. <laughs> Sure, yeah. Um, okay, so edit. Um, and maybe another little tidbit of information to add here um, is about this collective that we have started as a result of our collaboration. And I'll pass the mic over to Hannah and Marka, or Hannah <laughs> and Marcus, to, to uh, tell us a little bit about this collective called Poetic. Hey friends. Uh, so we made a movie and then we wrote a book and then we were like, we want to keep hanging out with each other. Uh, and we also want to keep making things together because hanging out with each other is fun, but doing that and making stuff is more fun sometimes. Uh, so we started a collective called Poetic. Uh, and basically what it is, is if you like the movie and you like the book, it's probably because you like the people because we're pretty freaking cool um <laughs> and also like you know we have a lot of art to offer uh so we started an art collective called poetic uh we do a bunch of different things we are you know poets like we said earlier we are uh visual artists a lot of us are screenwriters which is really really cool um and so a big chunk of what we do right now is kind of just come together uh and create a bunch of different things and we also do uh commission work as well so if you're like oh my God, Valentine's Day is coming up. What do I do? Uh, you can commission us to write like 50, what are they called? 50 love poems. And there you go. You've surprised your person. Um, yeah, that's just some of the stuff we do. Uh, right now, we just partnered with the Los Angeles Times uh, and we are working on what is now called LA Fam, LA uh, Food, Art, Music. And check us out. Keep us in the lookout. Um, we also, this might be helpful information, provide free um, arts education classes for under-resourced young people in Los Angeles. Right now we have a program called Still Here um, for queer folks in LA, but it's it's gone global because it's on Zoom and I can't turn away queer young people who want to learn about their history. Um, we'll be launching film classes this next semester, potentially ASL classes. So oh, yeah, Markeisha, if you want to talk about that, sorry not to uh yeah and i'll let markeisha talk a little bit more about her asl class but um you know follow us at we are poetic if you want to keep updated about when those classes and resources will be available yes so i am going to um hopefully get this on the roll soon but i'm um going to be um doing asl performance classes so not only teaching like sign language and the history behind it but also teaching how to incorporate it into performance because um when you perform asl is a little different than like speaking directly and um i really love asl my mom is fluent in it and i think it is 
um, a great way to like incorporate like more and more people and just like be more inclusive and like art and community. I really love poetry and I love sharing it to as many people as I possibly can. And so I feel like performing poetry in ASL or any type of art form, um, it just makes me really excited to get the chance to do that because it gets to spread further and further. So yay, I hope you guys can be a part of that. Uh, so with that, I think, I think that's all we've Real got quick. for today, Nat. Real quick, I was going to say, if anyone else wants to chime in and let us know about anything else you're working on or where else we can find you, please, please, please uh, let us know. Uh, my favorite kind of podcast is one where I have to take notes and look up a million things later. And this has been one like that. So if anyone else has any more uh, notes, resources, places to find you, please uh, chime in and let us know. No. <laughs> oh, just really fast. Sorry, this will be the last thing I say because I've been talking a lot. Um, outside of poetic, we're all also spoken word artists. So if at any point you go to a college and you're like, you know what I would love to have? Poetry. Uh, you can message us directly and uh, we do that as well. We love going to colleges and doing shows. Those Events, are really fun. Marches. Uh, one time I got booked to do a very wealthy child's birthday party. We will probably do it if, if you like poetry and you want it. We, we love to do it. I second that. So, you know, you can, you can book me for just about anything. Hire them. Hire Almost them. anything. If you, have a very, if you have a very cultured child and have them have a birthday party and invite all the poets. Bro, this kid was so cultured. Shout out if you're out there, queen. It was like a 12th birthday party. <laughs> I hope she's doing well. Well, thank you so much to all of you for being here today. We at Skylight, we're so happy to host you and open this space for you. Again, our guests were Carlos Lopez Estrada, Gordon Ip, Paulina Cunha Gonzalez, Marcus James, Hannah Harris, Zachary Perlmuter, Benet Benton, and Marquisha Babers. I was trying not to interrupt. Can I plug my things? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't have things with an S at the end, just my Instagram. If you want to find me or book me or just talk to me and have a conversation, um, my Instagram is learn and reflect, all one word learn and reflect this was also one of my favorite episodes because we we went off format so much in such a fun way it had uh it had rhyme and uh and rapport and it was just I actually felt like I was in the room with you guys which uh is odd for a zoom um but it was such a pleasure I'm so grateful to have had you all here and if anyone does not have their copy of summertime odes to LA yet they can get it at Skylight Books. And I believe we have signed copies. Are they signed by you, Carlos? Uh, some of them by me, some of them by Marcus, some of them by more of us. So yeah, uh, so we've got a knows? nice stack of signed copies. You can either come into the store if you're local or you can order one at skylightbooks.com. And you can also find all of these lovely humans work in all of the places they have shared with you today. So thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.